Filthy Henry and the Impossible Victim, Chapter 4. Filthy Henry teleported himself and Shelley back to his office on Middle Abbey Street in the blink of an eye. As Shelley continued to organise the chaos she had created, the fairy detective decided to play with his new toy. After all, there was no point working in a cluttered and messed up office. Nothing productive could happen in such a place. Better to start on Dagda's case while the cleaning continued in his absence. He had the means to quickly get the hell out of the cleaning zone instantly. So why waste such an opportunity? Filthy Henry generally enjoyed free transportation around the city and in fact most of the world. It was easy, when you had to pay in something so simple as currency. All it took was a single glazed donut or packet of salt and vinegar crisps to be converted into magical energy and suddenly you had the exact fare for wherever you wanted to go. Just because said fare tended to revert back to nothingness after an hour meant very little to him. After all, he was usually at his final destination before people wondered why the accounts were failing to add up. Then again, given the insanely high cost of using public transport in Ireland, the ferry detective rarely gave a second thought to his fare-dodging escapades. But while it was great to have free transportation, having free teleportation was even better. As a half-breed, Filthy Henry had always been limited to the types of magic and levels of spells he was able to cast. The toll magic took on his body was heavy, the end result being he needed to eat food after casting spells that most fairy children had mastered before they could walk. Teleportation was one such spell. The mere act of moving something cost him nearly a quarter of his internal magical reserves, and that doubled if he had to teleport a human somewhere. If the human had to be alive at the destination, there was a little extra magic required too. Once you started to increase the distance to more than a street or two over, it was well into danger levels of magic use which was why Dublin's public transport network was abused so much. Plus, Filthy Henry had a love-hate relationship with his fellow patrons on Dublin bus. He loved to hate them. All that had changed with Dagda's coin. Endless amounts of teleports powered by a godly being at no magical cost to the average fairy detective. That was the real way to travel in style. Filthy Henry spent the morning teleporting around Dublin City for no other reason than because he could. There seemed to be no real limit to how the coin worked or the distance you could travel with it. All that you needed was an idea of your destination and away you went. Somehow the coin even had a safety feature of sorts built in. It prevented people at your destination wondering where you had just appeared from. It also ensured that you teleported into an empty spot and not accidentally inside somebody who was standing exactly where you wanted to be. Without meaning to, Filthy Henry had teleported directly into the middle of some very hungover women strolling through Temple Bar, one of Dublin's most popular and overpriced tourist drinking spots, and none of them even batted an eyelid at him. Of course, their failure to observe a man who had appeared out of thin air could also have been as a result of other influences. Mainly the women all looked like victims of a successful hen party. Even still, a person badly hungover would have passed some remark on a magical arrival. There was only so much the human mind could conceal from a person before questions were asked. Yet none of the spots that he visited on his little experiment had anything to do with the case of the murdered god, which made the fairy detective question just how the coin really worked. Would it allow him to bounce around the country forever, so long as he never used it to solve other cases? 
Was Dagda aware of exactly what each request to the coin happened to be? If so, was that why any time Filthy Henry used it to try and solve other crimes, it brought him back to Meok? Regardless, Filthy Henry was enjoying the coin, using it to visit spots in Dublin that he had never been before, such as the roof of the Guinness factory down by Houston train station, purely because he was able to. After two hours of playing, the ferry detective figured he could safely return to the office. Two hours was loads of time for Shelley to get annoyed at him for not helping with the cleaning and give up. He used the coin to appear at his favourite coffee shop on Westmoreland Street and ordered two takeaway coffees with a pair of chocolate muffins. Having handed over some ferry money with an expiration time of ten minutes, Filthy Henry teleported back to the office and placed the muffin bag down on his desk. Brought you back a muffin, he said out into the hallway. The answering silence was deafening. He walked around from the table and stepped out into the landing. Most of the boxes had been moved and the various files, folders and binders stacked up in the corner so that the floor was visible once more. Of Shelley there was no sign. Filthy Henry went up to the next floor, which served as his home, in search of the cleaning culprit and found a note taped to his apartment door. It read, I got fed up cleaning your mess. I'm your bloody partner in this business now. Gone home to get a shower and freshen up. When I'm back, you'd better be serious about working this dead god case. Signed, Shelley. Which was when it dawned on the ferry detective. He had absolutely no idea where Shelley lived. Worse still, he had known her, annoyingly, for a couple of months at this stage and never once bothered to learn her address or even her last name. All Filthy Henry really knew about the woman was that once she had lived with the caught sea, a fairy race that were in fact talking cats, and more than a little fond of breaking the rules when it came to a free bowl of cream, despite their lactose intolerance. Plus, her innate ability to see the fairy world was now enhanced since her resurrection. Other than that, he had very little to go on. Which meant that his rare act of generosity was going to go to waste. A chocolate muffin, cup of coffee, and no Shelley to appreciate them. This left him with a horrible dilemma, one that could very well result in the extra muffin being eaten by the fairy detective. Wasted food was a terrible sin as far as Filthy Henry was concerned. Unless, he thought, looking at the gold coin in his hand. The fairy detective went back to his office and collected the muffin bag. He closed his eyes, thought of Shelley, and sent the request towards the coin. Shelley groped around blindly for the towel, enjoying another round of that age-old game, don't get any shampoo in the eyes or it will sting like hell, and swore as she discovered that, once again, the towel had slid off the rail, a rail designed solely to make it easier to get a towel when in the shower. It should be made out of Velcro or something, she muttered to herself, crouching down and patting the bathroom floor around the shower base with her eyes firmly closed. Her fingers touched fluffy dryness, she pulled the towel towards her, stood up and started to dry off. Once most of her body was devoid of wetness, Shelley wrapped the towel around her head so that her hair was in a bundle and stepped out into the cold floor tiles. She wiped some steam away from the mirror over the sink and smiled at the reflection before reaching over and opening the bathroom door. Dagda, above! Shelley screamed loudly. Why are you naked? Filthy Henry shouted bringing up what looked like a muffin bag in front of his eyes and backing away from her while using a tray with two coffee cups as some sort of shield. Why are you in my home? 
Shelley shouted. She jumped behind the bathroom door and grabbed her bathrobe off a hook. She rapidly pulled it on, tied it closed so tightly that it was a little hard to breathe, and marched out from behind the door into the apartment. How are you in my home? Filthy Henry had backed down the hallway, round a corner, and somehow made his way into the kitchen, all the while covering his eyes with the muffin bag. Is it, uh, safe yet? he said, bumping into the kitchen counter. Yes, pervert, Shelley said, reaching over and taking one of the coffee cups from the tray. I presume you brought me this. Or did you plan on enjoying both of them while watching me with some invisibility spell on? Carefully lowering the bag, the fairy detective looked at Shelley and seemed happy that she was no longer naked. He opened up the bag and offered her one of the muffins within. You know full well I can't keep an invisibility spell going long enough to drink two coffees. No, I brought them back as a thank you, of sorts, for cleaning up the office. Well, I was hardly going to work in the squalor you've created over the years, she said, pulling a muffin out of the bag. How'd you get inside, anyway? Did you pick the lock? Well, when I got back to the office, with the tasty treats, you weren't there. I had no idea where you lived, so I just used the coin to teleport to you. Clearly it brought me a little, uh, too close. It was a good thing I was out of the shower then, Shelley said. Imagine if it had brought you inside with me. Filthy Henry made a face, clearly unhappy with the thought. No need for that, you jerk, Shelley said, snatching up her coffee and heading to the bedroom. I'm getting dressed. Twenty minutes and a quick hairdry later, Shelley emerged from her bedroom fully clothed. When she had first met Filthy Henry, he had intrigued her. Sure, he was not what you might call traditionally attractive, but there was a certain something about him that she had found appealing. Then Shelley had gotten to know the man properly and realised that any feelings she may have had for him were entirely misplaced. He was not so much an interesting person to have as a suitor, more the worst kind of big brother you could ask for. Definitely not the sort to bring back home and meet the parents, that was sure. Plus, she figured that deep down, Filthy Henry had feelings for somebody else. She returned to the kitchen just in time to see him polish off her muffin. It was uh, getting cold, he said through a mouthful of chocolate chip. Shelley frowned at him. You know, sometimes it is trying to be your friend, she said. You never said we were friends, Filthy Henry said, having swallowed the mouthful of muffin. In fact, it's your fault that I have to figure out who killed a god, meaning you owe me one. So while we're still in no way partners, you're working this case regardless of whether or not you want to. Even though I think you want to. Now come on, get a move on. The sooner we get started with the whole thing, the sooner I'm finished with you. Well, I take it you've a plan then. Something that doesn't just involve teleporting into a lap dance club. The fairy detective stared thoughtfully out the window for a moment at this statement. You're a pig, Shelley said. Filthy Henry shook himself back from the daydream and smiled at her. It's me. Of course I have a plan, he said. When do I not have a plan? Well, there was that thing with the vampires that... Shelley didn't finish her thought. We're alive, aren't we? The plan worked, Filthy Henry said quickly. Now, I reckon we need to talk with Dagda a bit more. He didn't explain the rush on getting this case solved, and something tells me we will be getting more information out of him without Brez nearby. Plus, I really want to know why I can't just use the coin to teleport to the killer. More to the point, why can't the gods just capture the killer? Just let me get my coat, Shelley said. No need, Filthy Henry said, throwing a red jacket at her. 
picked it up while I was moving backwards. Now let's go, because I'm not too sure that this teleport thing is going to work. He reached over and grabbed her hand. Why wouldn't it? Well, Filthy Henry said, where do gods tend to live? Before she could answer, the fairy detective closed his hand around the golden coin, then the magical sensation of instant movement kicked in. Every culture and religion, going back as far as time allows, has some concept of an afterlife. Some even have two, so that good people get super rewards after they die, and nasty individuals get hot pokers up their backside for all eternity. Not many people get to visit these places without first taking the inconvenient step of dying, which sort of turns a visit into a one-way trip when you look closely. There is a logic to this, it has to be said. After all, if a person could see the great beyond before they died, they may make some drastic life changes in order to avoid, or ensure, that they went to their desired final destination. Filthy Henry was very happy to learn that Dagda's coin allowed them to teleport directly into the old Celtic afterlife without dying beforehand. He had always considered living a hard habit to give up and was definitely not going to die just to ask some questions about a case. Shelley and the fairy detective appeared, via the magic of the coin, inside what seemed to be a large banquet hall. The hall was in a wooden longhouse, the walls and floor made up from giant wood planks with a thatched roof overhead. Torches burned in sconces that hung from ornately carved pillars. A long, large wooden table occupied most of the floor, rows and rows of benches lining either side. Food was piled high on plates, jugs of wine and ale were on display waiting to be enjoyed. At the top of the table, sitting in a large wooden throne, was Dagda and a young red-headed woman. In actual fact, the woman was sitting on Dagda's lap, twirling her fingers in his beard with her left hand while holding a mug of ale in her right. The chief of the gods was running his hand up and down her bare leg while listening intently to her speak. Shelley peered at the woman. She looks familiar. Is she naked? Probably, Filthy Henry said as he walked over to the nearest table and picked up a chicken leg. Dagda generally doesn't bother much with clothes when it comes to women. Don't think about it too much. Shelley stared at the display of godly affection, then looked about the hall. Where are we? Filthy Henry spread his arms wide. Welcome to the Celtic afterlife, he said. Kind of like the Viking one. People would die, then come here and feast forever in the hall of Dagda, where the food and drink never run out. Well, shouldn't there be a load of, I don't know, um, Celts here then? Filthy Henry lifted another chicken leg from a nearby plate and left the bone of his previous one in its place. He took a bite from it and nodded. Used to be, used to be. There's loads of them, actually. But when you come here, you may request to be born again down below whenever you want, with a mental block put in place on your past experiences, so that you can live in the world again and see how things are. Problem is that as the pagan belief system died out, less and less people who were reborn came back. They died and went on to the heaven of whatever religion they were born into. It's kind of a religious Russian roulette as to what belief system you get reborn into. For that matter, you aren't exactly guaranteed to be born into the same sex as you were before. Eventually, though, everyone decided to have another go at living so that soon all that was left here were the gods. Shelley looked at the empty seats around the table. What about the fairy folk? What happens when they die? Aren't these their gods as well? Not really, Filthy Henry said as he finished off his chicken leg and dropped the bone on a plate. 
Gods are a more mortal thing. Fairies don't believe in gods, but they know they exist and are fearfully respectful and respectfully fearful of them. After all, a god is still a god. Even if you can conjure up a fireball yourself, a god can definitely make a bigger one. All right, we've been considerate enough, I think. Considerate enough for what? Shelley said. Filthy Henry smiled at her, then picked up a jug of red wine and marched towards the throne. As he approached, neither Dagda nor the woman sitting on the god's lap noticed. He stopped right beside the pair, then emptied the contents of the jug over both their heads. What in the name of me? Dagda exclaimed, pushing the throne backwards and tipping it over so that it fell to the ground, the god still seated in it, with a spine-jarring thud. His female consort was thrown from his lap, dripping wet. As she rolled along the floor, a dazzling light enveloped her body, spreading across her in a matter of seconds. When the last bit of her was glowing, there was a tiny thunderclap, and both woman and light vanished from the hall. What the hell was that? Shelley said, staring at the empty spot on the ground where the woman had been. Wasn't she the waitress from the cafe in Lucan? Yes, it was. Or rather, it was a shell created to look exactly like her, Filthy Henry said. A magically created being used by certain fairy folk as a means of carnal distraction when they couldn't be bothered going and hitting on mortals. Basically, it's a fairly advanced inflatable doll, and something that I thought dear old Dagda had grown out of. From the overturned throne, the porty god groaned. You should show your god more respect, son, Dagda said, rolling over and pushing himself up from the floor. Dagda's suit had been replaced with a white robe that seemed to shimmer in the light. He brushed some dust off his shoulders and looked at them both. Well, what's brought you here then? he asked. Don't you know already, being a god and all? Shelley asked. Well, despite popular rumour, every god is not an all-seeing, all-knowing sort of god. We're just smart enough to figure out a lot of stuff quickly, as to give the impression that we see and know everything. Listen. We need to talk to Dean Kecht, Filthy Henry said. Ask a few questions, primarily around why he murdered his son, establish a motive and what not. It happened so fast Filthy Henry barely managed to get a protective spell in place. Despite his weight and size, Dagda moved with the speed of a cheetah on performance-enhancing drugs. His fat hand had become a fat fist, one which was travelling towards the fairy detective in a direction that would have resulted in a fat lip. The god's fist pounded on the shield, sending cracks of blue spreading out through the air, and Filthy Henry was lifted off his feet and sent flying across the hall, slamming against a pillar so hard that the torch rocked in its sconce. If you weren't my... Dagda began, then stopped. He cleared his throat, composed himself and smiled. You've been hired to prove Dean Keck's innocence, Henry, not assume his guilt. Remember that. Filthy Henry lay against the pillar and allowed his body to recover. Rarely did something make it through a protection spell as powerful as he had just created, even with his limited magical prowess. It was one of the few truly great spells that he could cast without seriously draining his entire body of magical energy. Although, over the years, he had gotten rather good at casting it precisely when he needed protecting, thus saving magic by not casting a full body shield. Even then it was only good for about two minutes of constant damage control in a very small area. The fact his bones were in pain was a good indication that going toe-to-toe with a god was something to leave off the resume. 
Prometheus, the fairy detective, was clearly not. Yeah, well, look, I didn't ask for this case, if you remember. So let's all just get that on the same page. Now, if only you had a healing god to help me get back to my feet, Filthy Henry said, rubbing his lower back. Dagda glared at the fairy detective, before turning and marching towards the door at the end of the long hall. As he passed Shelley, the portly god looked at her and shook his head once. The chief of the gods pushed open the large wooden doors and stepped outside into a clear, bright day. The fairy detective pulled himself up from the ground and followed after Dagda, picking up a plate of bread in his way. He offered some to Shelley as they left the hall. You probably shouldn't keep eating. Holy crap, Shelley said, falling backwards at the hall threshold so that she landed inside the building. What's wrong with you? Filthy Henry asked her. It's only bread. Not bad, actually. Must be some cooking god or something. You're standing on a cloud, she said, pointing at his feet. He looked down at his feet, then back at her and shrugged. So? A cloud! I can't walk on a bloody cloud. Nobody can walk on a cloud. You'd fall straight through. Filthy Henry looked down at his feet once more, at the little tufts of cloud curling around his shoes. Sometimes it was easy to forget that Shelley, despite knowing all about the magical side of things, was still only a human. The fairy detective had not even thought about it when he stepped outside the long hall to follow Dagda. He'd just done it. If the god was walking across the clouds, then presumably so could everybody else. In hindsight, this was probably not the wisest thing to just assume, given that a god could walk across water as well. However, a human would have a hard time repeating the same trick. But of course, Shelley was still learning the ropes on how the fairy world worked. Her brain used logical thinking to tell her how things should be, which meant walking on clouds was never going to be second, third, or even ninety-ninth nature to her. He reached up to his tie, pulled it free and tossed it to her. Put that around your eyes and hold on to my shoulder, he said. Just think about something else. Are you pair coming? Dagda called back to them. The god had walked along the clouds towards another building right next to the long hall. Just give us a minute, you old fart, Filthy Henry said, as Shelley pulled the makeshift blindfold on and stood up, groping about for the fairy detective. He reached out and guided her hand onto his shoulder, where she promptly took a grip of his coat so tight that the fairy detective was sure her fingers were piercing through the material. Finishing off the last of the bread, Filthy Henry tossed the plate into the long hall and walked in the footsteps of the portly god. Dagda had gone in a straight line towards the second structure that was partially hidden amongst some low, or high, given where they were, clouds, standing on a visible mass of liquid droplets to call its own, floating along as if it was the most natural thing in the world, was a tall stone round tower. There were no windows anywhere to be seen, nor vines along the stonework. In fact, the only decoration on the building was the door, a large wooden barrier with a rounded top set in a Romanesque-style archway. Some large slabs of stone formed a small stairway that led from the base of the door to the clouds. Dagda stopped at the bottom of the steps, crossed his arms, and watched the pair approach. Some rules when you go in here, the chief of the gods said. You will not have the need to speak with any of the other gods of my realm. As such, they are hidden from you until after the case. The only one you will need to speak with is Ogma. He's watching over the Inkect until this whole mess is sorted out. You will respect him as you should respect me. 
I think that last bit was directed at me, Filthy Henry said to Shelley. You think? Also, stay away from the pages of Ogma, Dagda continued. They might look like fun, but at the end of the day, they are his, and he is a bit protective of them. Why is he so protective of them? Shelley asked, holding the blindfold firmly in place with her free hand. Dagda looked at her. Look, just forget about them, all right? In fact, forget I mentioned them at all. Just forget everything I just said. Well, in that case, you move your fat arse out of the way, so I can start asking the suspects some questions, Filthy Henry said, barging up the steps and opening the tower door so he could enter. Shelley followed close behind. You probably just should have said forget about the pages and not the rest of it, she said to Dagda, lifting up the tie from around her eyes the moment her feet touched the first step. Dagda merely nodded in agreement. Filthy Henry, The Impossible Victim is book two of the Filthy Henry series by Derek Power. This completely free audiobook version was narrated by Niall Milton. Other Filthy Henry books are available to buy on Amazon Kindle.